You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. I hope by this point you have found your way to the live feed here on Facebook and you're joining us. Um, Or if you're listening to this podcast or or on YouTube as well, welcome to you. Glad you've tuned in. And I know we have people outside of our Bethany family here, my in-laws and my parents, hello to you specifically, but others that are out there, um, even friends from from old, uh, glad you could join us today and are tuned in here. Um, I did mention this today. Um, we are recording this, so this is not live live, but we're trying to get the feed a little better than our internet can can upload right at 1030 on Sunday. So hopefully you're enjoying a little a little less segmented sermon, and it's a little more together. I praise the Lord that at least in our state, things are beginning to open up. I know it's ever so slightly, but gatherings of 10 or less and that sort of reopening are going on. Uh, please pray as elders. I, we don't have anything to announce right now in terms of when we will meet formally together as, as uh, a body, but uh, we need wisdom for the next steps. Here's what I can say for right now. Take full advantage of the opportunities to meet in 10 or less. I mean, do it well, do it safely, all, all of that that should be said, I guess. But do it uh, this week. Have somebody over this week or next weekend. Plan to perhaps watch this uh, service with somebody else and take advantage of that. We can meet. So it's, we, we're not meeting as a large group as of right now. But there are opportunities. And so keep track of your look in your email for emails as a church as we communicate kind of what we're doing from our end. But I would just say to, to any of you, take advantage of the opportunity. Go through the church directory, find somebody, maybe somebody you don't even know, and say, I've never met you. Why don't you come over for supper? Or we're going to roast some marshmallows. Come on over. You don't have to provide a big feast. Just gather. Gather with what you can. And I would encourage you to do that. Um, some announcements that we also had last week, maybe they got kind of chopped out or whatever as the feed wasn't so good, but there, uh, Carrie Scavel is planning to put together a summer Bible club, Lord willing, that will start on uh, June 16th. That's a tentative start date. Uh, instead of like a weekly VBS just for one week, this is a eight-week over the summer type of uh, event, Bible club going on. I believe it's going to be in the park here. Uh, again, Lord willing, through that and goes through August 4th. Um, she could use some helpers uh, for that. So I'd encourage you to get in touch with Carrie and you can text me or email the church or find her in the directory, Carrie Scavel, and let her know, hey, I'm, I'm willing to help out. I'm willing to volunteer. So um, That'd be great if you could do that. And also just another opportunity to keep, keep in, your, in your mind is July 11th, another opportunity to go over to Bangor, Wisconsin to help with Children's Vision, a ministry we support in Bogota, Colombia. But they have a warehouse in Bangor, Wisconsin, not too far away. There's some projects to work on there for that day. And so, again, let Carrie know if that's something you can be part of, July 11th. <clears throat> And lastly, just again, thank you for those that have sent in your gifts through the mail. Thank you again for taking that extra step. We just appreciate that. That's another step for you to take. So thank you for that. If you also would like to contribute um, to the building and working uh, for that, 
Uh, you can also send in your checks to P.O. Box 428 here in Leroy, 55951. Or if you've got a church directory, you can just send them right to, to Brandon Scavel. His address is there in the, in the directory. I think that's all the announcements. And uh, I'll just look at the guys. We all looking good here. Things are, things are still working even on this end as we do this. So great. Okay. Well, very good. Well, here we are, another chance for us to uh, examine God's Word and just look at it, where we go week by week through the book of Philippians. So I'd invite you, hopefully you're settled in, you found uh, our page and this, this feed, and you can open up to Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. So Philippians 2, verse 19 is where we're going to be in just a bit, and we'll look at 19 through 24. I had uh, two... Two pictures of the week come in, and these are great. So I, I love getting them, kids or adults, uh, whoever. If you send them in, that's great. I love showing these, and uh, they're pretty neat. So let's show let's show this one. This is this is great. George, can you hold that over the? I don't know. We'll see. We'll probably post this on Facebook. So if you look down in the feed somewhere, we'll we'll uh, actually just put this on there. But here's Malachi drew the grumble meter. So, you know, last week, I think we talked about what's your grumble meter at? Malachi drew one out. So this is it. This is where he's, he's at. And um, I'll put it on Facebook so you can read these little captions. He's got, he's got uh, number one, you're happy. Number two, you're feeling okay. Number three on the grumble meter, you're slightly annoyed. Number four, more annoyed. And it goes all the way to a number 10. You've totally lost it. So Malachi... I got a kick out of that. That's awesome. And somebody else uh, anonymously did this one. You want to hold that one up, George? This is really, really good. So they've got, I think what they did, Yeah, they've got kind of that bookshelf that we talked about last week through 14 through 18, kind of within this idea of don't grumble, but then be glad and rejoice and all this stuff in between. So thank you for doing that. And uh, some awesome pictures. So exciting. So adults, kids, as you draw, pull out. I don't mind if you get up from wherever you're watching this, go grab a pad of paper and draw something out as you hear it. If that helps you listen better and some people can draw better and put together the sermon that way. So that's great for you to do that. Well, hopefully by this time you are in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. I'm going to read God's word to us through verse 24, and then we'll think about it and look at it together as a church. Here's God's word. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, though we are separated via, via the uh, cable lines of Internet and, and the web itself, and the current situation of what's going on in our, in our world, Lord. We thank you that we can gather together and still today open your word. 
and hear from you. Lord, you are faithful. And this past week, you have been faithful to us once again. Lord, as we look back day by day, you have provided and covered and enabled us in what we're doing. And so, Lord, I, I thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, as we gather as a people via this feed and those that will listen and watch this later, Lord, I I don't know all of what the trials are. Some trials deal with the virus and the the effect that the economy is going to have on on lifestyles and and homes. Some maybe are are fearing what's going on. Some are just, just upset and ready to be done with this. And others have trials that have nothing to do with the virus but they're going on. I thank you, Lord, that we can come to you today. We can rest in you. We can take refuge in you. We can trust you. You're a rock that we can stand on, the solid rock of Christ. All other ground is sinking sand. So guide us to stand firm on you today. Lord, I pray for us again as we get into your word now. Would you bring understanding by your spirit to each home to each individual watching this, listening to this? Would you work, whatever time it is that they have turned this on, would you work to convict hearts, to draw us back to you, to say, here's what really matters. So Lord, guide us in this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, his name was Pat Clary. Pastor Pat was his name. He's my pastor... For Hannah and I and our family for a time uh, when we were living in Kansas. And some of you may recognize that name. Perhaps I've mentioned to you uh, his name before. But I've never met, and I don't know if I will, perhaps, it's possible, but someone that, that you uh, would come, someone that would come and ask how you're doing and who came across so sincere that, that all the walls, when they asked, when he asked, Pastor Pat, how you're doing, all the walls just kind of broke down, and you felt like if you answered fine, you just weren't being honest enough. He wanted to know, how are you doing? I think because Pastor Pat cared deeply, and when he asked, how are you doing, you felt that he cared deeply. That's not to say no one else has ever cared for me or or that sort of thing, um, uh, or that there's nothing else like that. But there was just a certain mannerism, just a kind of a body posture of Pat, Pastor Pat when he came. to said, Mike, Mike, how are you doing? And he would really ask and you would want to answer. You felt like I'm the only one in the room. He really cares. All of us could be a bit more like Pastor Pat. Well, here in Paul's day, here was one like that. His name was Timothy. I think we see in Timothy one like Pat and like Paul who genuinely cared for the church at Philippi. And as we join Paul in, the, in chapter 2, we're kind of in this post, that big section of Christ, his humiliation and his exaltation um, after his resurrection from the dead. We're kind of in that post era here, looking back, you know, work out your salvation, obey, God's working in you, do not grumble, these sorts of things to look at. And now we're getting into some of these personal portraits of who the Philippians were to look at. I mean, 
the, the, the first, the par excellent portrait was Christ himself. He's the example. Have this mind. But we also saw last week Paul, who's poured out as a drink offering. So we saw that. He's poured out for them. And now this week, Timothy. Next week, Epaphroditus. But this week, Timothy. Now, if you're into outlining a passage, um, you could outline this passage. I'll just give it to you real quick. If you're not, don't worry about it. But I, th- I think I could see a couple things, three, three parts here. Verse 19, there's the question of caring. This is all kind of about a portrait of what does it look like to truly care, to genuinely care. I think in verse 19, it's the question of caring. The question of caring. We'll get into what, what question is that. Verse 20 through 22 then would be the heart of caring. What's at the heart of caring? And then verse 23 and 24, there's emotion. There is not emotion, but there is a motion, a moving of caring, a motion of caring. So let's head into our text, verse 19. Look that up. Let me read it to you again. I hope, Paul says, in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. Paul begins this section with a phrase that really is going to show up again in verse 23. Do you see that phrase? It's the phrase, in the Lord. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus. And then he's got his desire to send Timothy. It's in the Lord. And I think there's two aspects with what Paul is saying when he says, I hope in the Lord to do this or to do that. Number one, everything for Paul is connected to Christ. Everything for Paul is connected to Christ. The phrase in the Lord, it's found, I did a quick search, some 117 times in the Bible, this phrase in the Lord. Even in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 14, you've got brothers who are confident in the Lord. Uh, Verse 19 and 24, in our section today, there's this hope, Paul's hope, his trust is where? It's in the Lord. Paul's going to ask later on, here in our next section, next week, Epaphroditus. He's going to ask that they receive Epaphroditus in the Lord. Paul commands them later on in the book, two, three times, rejoice in the Lord or stand firm thus in the Lord. He entreats two ladies in Philippi near the end, chapter four, to agree in the Lord. It's as if for Paul, nothing of substance, whether it's traveling or rejoicing or believing or hoping or delighting or standing firm, agreeing, coming, going, nothing worthwhile happens outside of it taking place in the Lord. We're not surprised at that with Paul at this point, but everything for Paul is connected to Christ. The number two aspect here, Paul's plans, I think, are subject to the Lord. Paul does nothing on his own. If, if he's able to send Timothy soon, it's going to be because the Lord Jesus made a way. He hopes in the Lord to send Timothy. First uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 19, he speaks, Paul, who wrote that as well, speaks similarly. He says, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. Or 1 Corinthians 16, 7, for I do not want uh, to see you now just in passing, I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. So Paul's plans are subject to the Lord. One commentator, Gerald Hawthorne, uh, Gerald Hawthorne explains that Paul used this phrase, quote, to remind the Philippians of what Paul believed and practiced in good times and bad. 
that all his hopes and aspirations, his plans and expectations were subject to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Thus, Paul could be hopeful, even confident about the days ahead, precisely because he had already submitted himself and his future wholly to the Lord. So we're not surprised again here at the centrality of Jesus Christ to Paul's life. But in verse 19, Paul is seeking something in the Lord. His desire is to know how the Philippians are doing. And his plan is to send Timothy, kind of his eyes and ears, to ascertain news, as the ESV states, to be cheered by news of you, or even literally it could be uh, cheered by things concerning you. What does Paul want to know? He wants to know how they're doing. Now, we're going to look at Timothy in a little bit, but what is Paul doing here? In a sense, he's desiring to know the condition of the sheep of his flock. Now, it's a larger flock. He's writing to the church in Philippi, but he wants to know how you're doing. Paul, we learned in in, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, he yearns for these, these his beloved ones. He yearns for them with the affections of Christ Jesus. And so, Paul, the question of caring here, Paul is caring. How are you? This is not, Paul, kind of a nonchalant, hey, how you guys doing? How are you? It's not Paul simply being uh, nice here. Kind of, this is a nice way to ask. He's yearning, yearning enough to send his dear Timothy, who I believe is dear to him, on a possibly dangerous trip. I mean, you think of trips at that time. I mean, every trip to some degree is risky, but think of a trip back then. It's, It's not the most safe thing to go do or to send Timothy on. But if Paul is willing, I think he really cares, wants to know. He's going to send out Timothy. He's going to risk dear Timothy, not that he wants Timothy to die, but to risk him in order to know, how are you? And he wants to know the condition of those that Paul loves and longs for. And then Paul, look at what it says. He hopes to be what? Cheered by news of them. I want to be, I too may be, cheered by news of you or encouraged. Paul desires to hear of good things in them. He wants to be encouragement. He looks for that encouragement from their news. Can I just kind of put a little pastoral plug here in the side that those that labor and serve the body desire to hear even perceptively small steps of growth. We want to hear what's going on in your life. We are here as a pastor. I'm here to hear issues and things that are hard and trials. I want to make myself available to that. And you as a church to make one another available for that, for each other. But we also want to hear hey, what's going well. We want to be encouraged and cheered. Sunday school teachers or elders want to hear, how are you doing? Even if you think, well, it's kind of just a small thing, but I guess I can see God working in this way. We, we want to hear that. It's an encouragement news like that. It cheers the soul. Okay, that's my little pastoral plug right there. But verse 19, you've got then that question of caring. The question of caring, how are you? Again, not a, how you doing? And we hope the answer fine because we don't really want to get into that. How are you really doing? But then as we look to verses 20 through 22, now I think we see in Timothy the heart 
of caring, the heart of caring. Look at verse uh, 20. For Paul says, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So think about this. In this book, Paul, he's laid out the commands to be of of like-mindedness, right? To be of one mind, to strive side by side for the faith of the gospel. In humility, considering others more significant than yourselves, looking to the interests of others, and now enters Timothy. So as Paul, again, he's shown Christ. Christ is the example par excellence. Now you've got Timothy. Here's another example of what it looks like to have this other-mindedness. Paul says, I have no one like him. That's how the ESV puts it, I have no one like him. Paul uses a Greek word here that has at its root, it has kind of two words, iso, which we think of like an isosceles triangle. I had to look this up. Two sides that are the same, right? So same, iso, this this sameness is part of that. But the other part of the word is kind of psyche or sukon in the the Greek, but psyche, the soul, mind. So literally same mind or same soul, that kind of idea going on. So the ESV says, I have no one like him. In your verse 20, if you're using ESV, but I think it, it might be better to translate, I have no one so like-minded, no one so much of the same mind. If you're reading from an NESB, I, I think I, I like that. It, it says, I have no one else of kindred spirit. So it's not Paul, I don't have anybody like else like Timothy as much as it's, man, Timothy and I, it's like, we just, we think the same. A little bit on Timothy before we look at that. Acts 16 tells us when Paul met Timothy. He met him in the city of Lystra, modern day in modern-day Turkey. That's where he met Timothy. Acts 16, interesting. We're told he was a disciple, the son of a believing Jewish woman, and his father was a Greek. He was one well-spoken of by the brothers there, and so Paul has enlisted Timothy to join him. You remember this same chapter, Acts 16. It's the same chapter we found the account of, of Paul and Silas, and I think Timothy was part of the larger group heading to Philippi where they brought the gospel to Philippi. And so I think you could look at that chapter 16 of Acts and say, I think Timothy was part of that original mission of Philippi. So in a way, Timothy's known these dear ones at Philippi for a long time. He's got a connection with them. And as Paul says, he, he's genuinely concerned for them. Timothy's concern and care then, just like Paul wanting to know how they are, it's not superficial. It's not a a duty bound. I guess part of my ministry is to go and care for the Philippians. I'd rather not go there, but that's, I guess I got to go do that or kind of an, kind of an etiquette. It's right etiquette to, to care for them. Not that idea. It's not a surface level kind of niceness, but there's a realness. There's an authentic, genuine concern and care for the people there. So I think for Paul, the reason he can send Timothy is as it's as if he's sending himself. So as Timothy is genuinely caring for them, so Paul as well, we see this extension of Paul. Now, the description goes further in verse 21. Look at verse 21. For they all seek their own interests 
not those of Jesus Christ. So verse 20, I got no one like him, genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Now, first off, we might ask, you might ask as we look at that sentence, who is the they? Who's the, who's they all seek their own interests? We don't really have a, um, the, I think grammatically the antecedent to the pronoun they here. Who, who is the they? The answer is we really don't know. We don't know who the they is. Paul's just not specific for who they are. Uh, one commentator says this. This is Paul's, this is his solemn reflection when he remembers that in a world of selfishness and self-seeking, it is such a rare thing to find a man like Timothy who is really anxious to promote the welfare of other people and to give himself to a fatiguing journey and to the resolving of personal quarrels in the Philippian church. So Paul has laid out his desires for the Philippians in chapter 2, verse 4, to look not only to their own interests, but to the interests of others. Here's Timothy, kind of a rare one. Paul's saying, you know, they all seek their own interests, not like the interests of Christ, but here's, here's Timothy, a rare man. And while most everyone looks out for self, Timothy is different. I want to stop here again and, and look at verse 20 and 21 together and see if you see a connection here. I'll just, I'll read it again. They're short enough. Verse 20. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Do you see a connection going on here with, the? I think, even the wording between that of being genuinely concerned for someone, verse 20, and then the seeking the interests of Christ, verse 21. I think you could say, if you put these together, Timothy, you could see him, he genuinely cares for the Philippians. As he does that, he's ultimately loving Jesus. He's ultimately interested in Jesus. He's caring for the interests of Jesus who also, who first, loved the Philippians. Caring for others demonstrates Christ. <clears throat> Jesus said this in John 10.10, 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came as a good shepherd. He's willing to, willing to lay down his life for his own. Or in Philippians, we just saw Jesus humbled himself. He's obedient to the point of death. And as Mark talks about, then he might serve us and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' life was other-centered, that, that, that others, I mean, he's, he's for his glory and he's to bring others with him to lay down his life that they might come and have life. So as Christ, as Christ is lovingly concerned for his own, then when we genuinely care for one another, I think it can be said, we're really demonstrating a love for Jesus as well. There's a Christ-likeness to that. To put it succinctly from 1 John 4.21, whoever loves God must also love his brother. That's kind of a short, if you love God, you've been born again by God, then you ought to show love for your brother. Timothy is that kind of rare jewel to love. 
Love the Philippians, I think, for the sake of Christ in that. And may we, too, be that kind of rare man or woman or boy or girl that's listening or watching to this in a world that cares only for self. So Timothy has this genuine concern for the church. It's a concern rooted in his heart for Jesus. And then in verse 22, Paul offers just one more description of Timothy. Look at verse 22. But you know, you know, so Philippians, you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Timothy Timothy has a character that has been tested, tried. It says proven here. He genuinely cares because Timothy's the real deal. And when tested, he came through serving Paul, a son to a father, serving him for the gospel. Listen to what James 1, 2 through 4 says. See if you don't hear maybe some of the same things. James 1 says this, 2, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing, now that's the same root as Timothy's proven worth here, this testing, trying, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Timothy's character, his proven worth, it's been tested so that when the time comes for the mission of Paul, I want you to go to the Philippians. Paul can trust him. He can send him. He can send him out to go. Nothing like testing or trial brings out what is in our heart, does it? And we might proclaim our allegiance to Jesus through, through singing or through a spoken word, but when the trials and testing come, they bring out, and, and I think we see what we really believe. Perhaps in a time of coronavirus or this stay-at-home order, you too, like me, have been tested. You've been tested in love in joy, in peace, or patience, or on and on. And you say, through this time of testing, I don't know if it's shown my proven worth, it's shown how rotten I am. It's shown what a sinner I am. It's shown me not looking very good at all, just pretty shameful, really, in reality. I want to encourage you today, if that's kind of how you're looking at your current testing That's a good place to be, not to stay, but a good place to be because when we see our failures, where do we go? We cannot look within anymore. We cannot say, I can get through this virus. I can get through this, this order, the upsetness, the lack of normal. I can get through this. No, not on our own. Our failures lead us to the only one who can save us, Jesus Christ. And so they lead us, hopefully, to him because we daily need the gospel of Jesus. But then we recognize that even, even with our failures, God is working in us. The very fact that you're still watching this or you still want to read this word or you still want to seek the Lord is evidence of God's work in you to give you a faith that's persevering and moving forward. Maybe steps ever so small, but moving. And we can praise God for that work. He's the one doing a work in us, right? Right? Testing our faith, growing, maturing us 
through fire, preparing us to do his will until either he calls us home to himself or he comes again. Well, so far here, we've seen the question of caring, how are you? That's the question of caring, how are you, really? The heart of caring, a heart for Christ and his beloved, both of those. And then lastly here, verses 23 through 24, there's the motion, not emotion, but the, a, a motion of caring, a going. Look at verse 23 and 24. I'll read them together. Uh, there we are. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Now, let me just comment briefly here on these verses. And if you read these slowly, there, there's a sense of, of both uncertainty and certainty at the same time. He's, he's not certain how it's going to go. So, he, so Paul's going to hold off on sending Timothy till he knows how it's going to go with them. But then in verse 24, it seems more certain. I trust in the Lord that shortly I'm going to come join you. I'm going to be with you. There's, there's both of these. So verse 23, Paul wants to hold off on sending Timothy. He wants to see how it's going to go. Again, we're not given details here. One commentator says this. He says, to kind of sum up, most commentators speculate that Paul is referring to the outcome of his trial. He did not want to send Timothy until he saw whether he would be sentenced to execution or set free. Remember, Paul's in prison here. I'm thinking Rome. Others think maybe different places, but I think he is in prison. And so, it seems likely that he's awaiting what's going to be the outcome of this. And once we know that, I'll send Timothy. I mean, Timothy's journey, it's not like he's just going to go around the corner. This is a journey for Timothy, dangerous one, most likely. And so Paul wants to make sure we've got good news or, or a, some sort of news before we send Timothy on his way. But then verse 24, so we've got kind of that, mm, we're not sure, Now, verse 24, Paul here seems pretty confident. I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So how can Paul at one point sound uncertain as to his future, but then in verse 24, he speaks with a sense of surety. Ultimately, I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. Here's perhaps... And, and this was a thought, perhaps we don't try to reconcile uh, these two things in much the same way that, that maybe we don't try to, try to reconcile, but we just call them good friends, this idea back in verses 12 through 13 of working out your salvation, for it is God who works in you. To not try to go, how does all this fit and, and go like this? That's where Paul's at. Paul cannot know for sure. He doesn't know the future. Unless the Lord has shown it, perhaps that's what happens. Maybe the Lord has has shown him, here's what's going to happen, that idea. But then again, he says, in the Lord. I trust in the Lord. He can say, then shortly I'm going to come to you also. Paul's life, again, it's so intertwined in Christ. I think he can say, I'm going to find out what's going to happen, but he can also have a surety in the Lord to make plans to come to them. And you can look that up more ultimately Sorry, I don't have a better answer for that. Other than, I mean, couldn't we say in the Lord, everything's sure. Maybe not sure according to every plan of ours. Not in the least, but but in the Lord, it's a sure thing. Well, 
Aside from that, it's this last phrase that I think we can, we can learn from and look at this other aspect of caring, that I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. It's one thing to ask, how are you? To have a heart for others, a genuine concern, but how is that played out? It involves motion, going. Paul was not content to only hear of them. He desired to go out to see them. And he says, I hope to send Timothy. I hope to come myself. Can I ask where you are at these particular days as you would evaluate your own genuine concern for others, others in the body of Christ, others beyond that? How do you evaluate your genuine concern for others in your own household, your own neighborhood, those in our church, or if you're joining us from other places, those in your church? Caring is a challenge to our self-interested hearts. It's a challenge. Some do it maybe naturally better than others, but it's a challenge to us who are so often just interested in what I want in my own life. We have very little room for others. We have our own plans, and so we can really struggle to be like Timothy here, to have this genuine concern for others. How can we develop that? Well, I'll just go through kind of this outline again. Just three things as we're just, uh, and then we'll close. How can we develop this genuine concern for others? Let's just go back thinking through the text. Number one, the question of caring. The question. Seek out others by sincerely asking, how are you really? I know we greet and we don't don't get you know, strung out when we greet somebody, how are you? And you've got to go into, you know, five paragraphs of, of how you're doing. I know on the street, maybe there's, there's different contexts where we feel like we can answer that. But be known for that kind of rare jewel type person that says, like a Pastor Pat, how are you doing? How are you really doing? Perhaps you need to build some margin in your life to do that. Say, I don't, got, I don't have time to ask how are they doing and for them to really answer me other than fine. I'm hoping they're answering fine because I don't have much more time for anything else. Perhaps you need some margin. You and I need some margin in our lives, not be so busy in our plans that we miss the great plan has that God has for us to care for his church. And that great plan is you. He is working, but he uses the body, the members of the body to care for the body. Number two, so there's that question, how are you? Number two, how do we develop genuine concern? Have a heart for caring, a heart to care for souls. How? By having a heart for Christ. To love others as Christ loved the church. You know how Christ loved the church? While they were yet sinners, Christ died for them. That's what Romans 5, 8 says. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's being willing to love others and, and really, I think, to grow in a love for Christ and to grow in a love for the, for the things, the people Christ loves, which is his people. I pray for that. 
And then there's the motion of caring. The motion of it is to reach out. It's to reach out. We have opportunities now, and I hope we take advantage of them that say, gather. You got 10 or less? Gather. Find people and, and do that. And the motion, the actual going and caring for others. You can't care for all, but pick someone. Be intentional about it. Ask the Lord to show you, Lord, who in my life, who are you placing on my heart in this church directory to care for? And then go and do it. Or or still, pick up the, the phone and just call. Hey, I got, I got 30 minutes. I just want to hear, how are you doing? Really, how are you doing? And go to them. Go in the Lord for the sake of Christ. Well, next week, Lord willing, we're going to look at Philippians 2, and we'll continue into verses 25 through 30. Let me pray for us as we close our time. Lord, we've just gone through uh, this section. Lord, your word is amazing of, of just how much there is in, just, in, in even just these, these few short sentences uh, of your scripture. Lord, I pray for us as a church body. I pray individual for each one listening. Oh, Lord, give us a heart like Timothy, a heart of genuine concern a heart of those that have been tested and tried, and yet you've, you've grown us to be steadfast, to follow you, to love you, Jesus, more and more, and to love who you love, which is your flock, your sheep. And Lord, convict us when we don't love the sheep that you have loved. Oh, Lord, forgive us. and Help us to love like you love and to care and to question, Lord, help us to be bold, to ask questions of others of how they're doing and to really mean it. Lord, grant us time that we would be wise with our time, that we have margin and space to care for one another. And Lord, we pray that you would continue to quickly make a way for us to gather together again as, as a body to care for one another in person, in fellowship together. But we thank you, Lord, for this, at least a reprieve here. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you that this virus has not taken at least our section of the country any worse. Lord, it seems you've stayed your hand that could be so much worse. So thank you. Help us, Lord, to not grumble this week and to take advantage of the opportunities you've given for us to encourage and care genuinely for one guide these that are listening in their week. May you bless them, Father, with your grace to show them your glory, to show them Christ, we pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.